1: Welcome, welcome, welcome. You're listening to the Ask Brian Radio Show on KHS 1220 and 98.1 FM. My co-host Tracy is off on assignment. She's got some project that she's working on, but we have our old, old co-host.
0: Alex, are you there? I am here, sir. Really happy to be here again. And I think we have a great guest today. You know how I am. I'm going to really enjoy this because it's in my wheelhouse.
1: Well, before we get to that part, we got to go over a couple of things with our engineer because everybody wants to know about Ask Brian. It's a basically a radio show that's been going on since January 2017, and we basically interview CEOs, startups, people with business concepts that would be applied by business owners to try to help them improve their business, and we still ask Brian, A-S-K-B-R-I-E, N and everybody to this day asks me why an e. You know, everyone and I know spells Brian B-R-I-A-N or B-R-Y-A-N. Why in the world are you spelling it with an E? I mean, maybe if you're from Ireland and you're O'Brien, you know, I get that. But uh, otherwise I haven't seen an E with a Brian. So Mr. Engineer, yes, sir. why? Why would you use an E for S Brian? What does the E stand for?
2: Well the E stands for a number of themes that have to do with the S Brian radio show, one of which Happened to be the engineer and normally I would be like, come on, you took my thunder, but you know what? For today, I'll I'll give you a pass just because, you know, I've just, I salute you, sir. Thank you. Um, other ones we have empathy. Um, empathy is a big word, which you've already, uh, we've kind of covered and I'm being empathetic towards you. You're, we kind of have this little, we, we are showing some genuine empathy, uh, t- today, actually. So there's that. Another one we have is effort because everybody in the Asp Brian radio show gives 110% of their effort on what they do. The next one we have would be excellence because everybody here is excellent in what they do experts because everybody that appears on the ask brian show happens to be an expert in the field of their choice hence ask brian and then uh isn't there two in particular that uh, you send to fancy one of them being uh, excitement
1: enthusiasm let's go let's go woo,
2: woo, woo, woo. there we go
1: Anyway, without any further ado, and how do you spell ado? A-D-I-E-U. And why do I like that word?
2: Because majority of them are vowels, except for the D.
1: That's correct. So, we have our special, special, special guest. This one, I hope I can pronounce his name. It's very, very difficult. Jeff Hunter! <laughs> it's one of the harder names, right? <laughs> it, was, it was almost like further ado. A-D-I-E-U. <laughs> anyway, uh, Jeff, so... Uh, People don't know who you are, what you do. So first, let's get some background. Prior to starting your business that you're currently working with, how did you get to where you are?
3: Oh, man. You know, I've always loved uh, information technology. You know, I grew up, I'm a child of the 80s. So as a matter of fact, I'm still a child, right? Big man child. (laughs) I I think we're kind of on this weird cusp between Generation X and, you know, millennial kind of weird cusp where we grew up and we still had 80s music jamming. But we were kind of past that. So we were kind of getting into the nirvana age. <laughs> right. So I was all about technology and computers. I've always loved it. I always knew I was going to do something with technology. I didn't know what it was going to be. Growing up, I thought I was going to be like a computer hacker. Like, wouldn't that be amazing? Like that, that would be my dream just to be a computer hacker. Um, at least I thought that's what I would do or, or maybe program video games. But I basically did what most people do in life. They try to get a job somewhere. And I was very fortunate that my grandpa used to go to this computer store and it was called Data Computer. And I was literally dropped off there after school in high school. And I would just hang out with all the computer tech and basically work there for free for like two years. (laughs) You know, just like
1: sounds like our engineer. Oh.
3: <laughs> you know what? I have to tell you, I know this is kind of taken a beaten path already, but I think the education system's broken. I think we should really do some like apprenticeship type stuff. Like I think kids would learn a hell of a lot more at an office situation or some sort of building somewhere. like learning from people that actually do work instead of going and listening to teachers that don't actually know how to work, they just how to teach. Well, there's theory
1: and practicality, right? And uh, actually, I agree with you. I actually think that everybody should have an apprenticeship. That way they can act, although they do call it an internship, right? But you should learn a little bit about what you're doing before you actually go out there.
3: So anyway, enough about educated idiots. (laughs) (laughs) So I I worked at a computer store that I kind of... Got a relationship built with the owner and we kind of did our own thing. He started a new company called Data Networking and I learned how to do like VPN tunnels and like setting up remote computers and stuff like that, which was like really cool in the 1990s. Like it was still like futuristic. (laughs) (laughs) And then I became the IT guy at a school. That was probably a low for me.
1: (laughs) Because it was educational? (laughs) Um,
3: Yeah. No, not that because I was... It's not what I thought it was going to be. Most of my day was spent sitting in a computer lab and answering support tickets from teachers who didn't know how to install iTunes on their work computer because they're not allowed to. <laughs> <laughs> but then I, I actually ended up becoming the IT coordinator for an entire school district uh, out in Tracy, California. Then I got recruited to be a project manager for Phillips Electronics. And that was the job that changed my life because it was the very first role in where I didn't have to go to work. Like I worked from my home office and I managed a team of engineers. We called them field service engineers and clinical specialists. And I actually built out clinical environments for hospitals and I did it all remotely. The only time I'd ever go to a site was like kick off a project and to get the sign off, do the go live. And that was like mind blowing to me. Like, my mom was on food stamps. My dad worked at a car wash. I had no clue <laughs> that people didn't have to go to work and still get paid, right? So that's kind of like the beginning of, of the end for me. So at that point in time, I started realizing that I could actually not only myself could work from home, but other people could work from home for me. And we started experimenting about you know setting up computers in hospital environments and then setting up remote connections so that engineers could actually work on those computers from home and then the light bulb went off. Oh my gosh. This transcends the hospital work environment. This could be anywhere. Like we could hire anyone in the world to work on anything for us in this virtual environment. That's when I came up with this idea for what is now VA Staffer, which is basically a virtual staffing agency to where you can hire anyone to do dang near anything you want and all virtual.
1: So why can't you use go to my PC or log me in? Isn't that the same thing? I still
3: do. I mean, there's definitely some, you know, technical things that either trying to figure out or someone's trying to help me figure out. And you can use a bunch of apps, log me in or, you know, go to meeting or whatever, and you can just have someone remote in. As a matter of fact, there was an article. This isn't me, by the way. I wish it was me. This is genius. But there was a guy who was found to have been working as like the IT director for like two or three different companies at the same time. And he was working from home. Imagine being like the IT director for a company, for three different companies, and you work at home, and neither of them know about your role at the other company. And they were (laughs) were not competitive either. Right, of course. (laughs) But they got found out, by the way, because not only was this guy smart enough to do that, but he actually had outsourced his job. (laughs) So somebody had logged into his computer and was actually doing his responsibilities while he was watching cat videos all day. (laughs) Perfect. That's what our engineer does. That's next level. Like, I'm not that smart. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but the cats are. You know, the, the, there was a cat that was in court recently. So, I mean, cats are.
3: Yeah, I saw that. He was the lawyer. <laughs> he goes,
1: uh, uh, sir, I'm not a cat. <laughs> so, when did you decide to start VA staff? Or was that right after Phillips, or did you have something in between?
3: It was actually an idea during my time at Phillips. My very first thing that I did was I don't know if you know anything about project management, but. In the world of project management, we have something called a Gantt chart, G A N N T Gantt chart. A Gantt chart is basically a list of all the different tasks. So let's break it down to something everyone can understand. Let's say you're building a house, right? I mean, to build a house, you can't just build a house, right? You've got to... Flatten the land. You've got to pour the foundation. You've got to set up all the little post pegs. You've got to set up the wood frame. Then you've got to put on the drywall. Then you've got to install the doors, right? Like then you've got to put the roof on because you can't put the roof on without having the foundation and the, and the walls up. So a Gantt chart is basically a list of everything that needs to be done for a project from start to finish in the order that it needs to be completed. So obviously, you know, you can't just say, Hey, I want to put a roof on this house and the house isn't built yet. So there's a lot of documentation that goes along with building these charts. And I went on this website called Fiverr.com. I think some of you guys know it. By the way, this was back in probably 2012, 2013. So it was still like $5. (laughs) (laughs) And I found this guy who said that he will make a Gantt chart. And he was the only gig. I literally went to Fiverr frustrated with my job. And I typed in Gantt chart. And it was the only gig, the only service being offered. And it says, I will make you a Gantt chart for $5. And I looked into it and it said, $5 an hour, I will make you a Gantt chart. Then I clicked on his name and it's like, his name was like Mohammed something. He was from Pakistan. And he said that he had a project management certification, a PMI, Project Management Institute Certification. I'm like, dude, I've been a project manager and I'm not even certified. <laughs> so I was like, okay, for $5 an hour, I was skeptical, but I tried it anyway. I sent him some of my, some of my documentation that wasn't very sensitive. And I said, can you make me the Gantt chart? I assumed it would probably take me 20, 30 hours to make the Gantt chart. So I was, pre- I was prepared for that. But literally a day and a half later, he sends me a message back and he says, I finished. And I'm like, wow. Okay. He says it took him about eight hours to do. So he literally did it in one third the time that I could do. And the thing was built out on Microsoft Project. Beautiful. It was color coded and everything was connected and beautiful. It was better than I could ever make because I hate Microsoft Project. And when I saw that it cost me eight times five, cost me was that 40 bucks, cost me 40 bucks to get this thing done. That was a mind-blowing experience for me. The project was amazing. I turned in my documentation. I actually got a commendation from my project management office saying, wow, fantastic work on this. And that's when the light bulb went off.
1: <laughs> well, that, that is pretty cool. We have like four minutes before break and Alex had a question.
0: Yeah. So Jeff, you talk about virtual staffing and I know you're going to go through what it actually is. But I think one of the things that, that to me is the most important thing is that you actually have a background in, in project management, and that, that helped you to actually know how to, should we say, assign staffers, right? So just take the leap there really quick in one minute and tell me how, as someone hiring a virtual team, it's better to have you do it than to have someone else.
3: Well, the hardest part isn't finding a virtual assistant. It's finding the right one. (laughs) And actually, even further than that, it's not finding a VA because there's tons of them. It's actually finding one that's reliable and sticks around. And I'm about to blow your minds with this, but this is why I don't hire virtual assistants. Now you might be saying, hold on a second. Wait, you have a a VA staffing agency with over a hundred people and you don't hire VAs. That's correct. I hire people that are technical support reps. I find people that have a corporate background that don't have any excuses. They have longevity. They've worked at a job for like two years, tenure, And then I train them to become virtual assistants. Because the problem is right now, there's all these people that claim to be a virtual assistant, but they don't care. They're not what we want as business owners. When we think of a virtual assistant, isn't what their definition of a virtual assistant is. Their right. virtual system definition is they want to have a bunch of clients and juggle a $1,000 a month retainer or whatever and serve right. like five to 10 clients a month. We don't want that. We want a person who's dedicated to us, that cares about our business, and is there for a long time. And that's
0: all I care about. I think that's great. So I can't wait to talk more about that when we get off break. Uh,
1: how do you prevent them from leaving? I mean, if you're trying to pick one person, don't you run that risk? You know, when somebody leaves, then you got to retrain, reeducate, whatever.
3: That is one of the things that's beautiful. I will have to admit that is an advantage I have as a project manager. (laughs) Because the standard operating procedures I call them freedom recipes, by the way, because, you know, obviously, when you have instructions for people, they really give you freedom, right? If you're the only person that knows how to do something in your business, well, then you're trapped. How can you ever get rid of that if you're the only person that knows how to do it? So you have to put procedures in place. But it starts even before that. It starts with the staffing. It starts at why someone's looking for a job or what they're trying to do in their position. And what I do is I like to go to people that are stuck in the corporate world and say, hey, how would you like to make two to three times more than you're making right now? And you get to work from home in your pajamas. That's how you keep them around.
1: You're keeping a lot of people in pajamas at home. Why do you have two... Sites, because you have what, Jeff J. Hunter, and you have VA staffing. And we're just uh-huh. asking, why would you have two? What do you, Procter & I have and a Gamble? third
3: one, too. I've got BrandedMedia.io. That's my branding agency. <laughs>
1: so, what do you so, think, You're Procter & Gamble? You're going to have Tide, All, and, uh, and Cheer? Temper- the truth is, it's kind
3: of like what I said earlier, you know, like uh, the same thing I said with Freedom Recipes, you know, like the goal of me as a business owner, especially now that I understand the secrets of delegation and building a, a remote team is, You know, If I'm really involved in the day-to-day of the business, then I've failed. So for my virtual staffing agency, for example, I have a project management team of seven people. And one of them is in charge of my creative team. So all of the graphics, visuals, all my video editing, podcast editing, all that kind of stuff. They do all that. I have someone who oversees my web design, someone who does everything on my WordPress, all that stuff. I don't have to worry about it. I've got someone who oversees all of my... Even my social media presence. I've got someone who is in charge of responding to TikTok messages because I get hundreds of TikTok messages a day. I've gone viral on TikTok a few times, sadly. <laughs> but the point is, is that I my goal is I want to set up my business so it doesn't need me. So that the only job I have in that business is to actually market and promote that business.
1: Well, that is a job, right? Marketing. That's a job. But again, let's get back to isn't it more difficult when you have three or two different brands versus just one brand? I mean, if you have one brand, you can really build that brand big and then use the economies of scale for that one brand. If you have two or three, then you've got, you know, are you differentiating them? Are you saying, like, this is for secretaries and this is for engineers?
3: I think that this show is absolute evidence of why it's important to have a personal brand because. If I didn't have the personal brand, I wouldn't be on the show because if it wasn't for me getting hooked up with you and them sending over kind of like my little one sheet of what I could do and some possible questions and stuff and give you background and then see, I leveraged my va website to show my expertise in the field. So I think everyone should have a personal brand. And I think that their business should be a part of their personal brand. You know, Elon Musk has the boring company. He's got Tesla. He's got Starlink, his new one. I don't know if you saw, but I saw like a 100 satellites go over my house here in California not too long ago. Those were aliens. Yeah, those alien sightings, (laughs) right? But then you've got the contrast. You've got, you know, Jeff Bezos. And yeah, sure, he's rich and all that kind of stuff. But Jeff Bezos, he's only known for one thing. Amazon.com, right? Sure, Amazon has a whole suite of things, but now he's stepped down. He's involved in some sort of scandal. He's got a new mistress who owns a private helicopter company, which, by the way, they found out because Jeff Bezos hated helicopters, and he told everybody about it his whole life, and magically, he invested in a helicopter company and was taking all sorts of flights and found out that he had an affair with the CEO of the (laughs) Of the helicopter company. But anyway, that's the point. Like, what is his brand now? He's left Amazon. But Elon Musk, he could start a new company tomorrow. It could be he wants to make the world's best electric motorcycle. And I'll guarantee you he'll get like $10 million in pre-sales from one tweet.
1: Okay. You know, most of our listeners are small business owners. Why would a small business owner, the guy that owns a furniture store that may have one website that he's struggling with, why would he want to have more than one brand?
3: Because people don't like to do business with a random Facebook page. They want to do business with people. Business is always about people. And people need to be able to trust you. And if people trust you, then they do business with you. So, you know, like for me, it's super important that I build a strong brand for myself. Because this company, VA Staffer, it's a great company. I love it. I'm building it. I'm doing amazing things with it. But is that my identity? I think you raise a really great point. I think a lot of people in this life have built their identity around their business. And I think that's a shame.
1: So are you saying you think that because Jeff Bezos built Amazon and it's only one business and he doesn't have multiple brands, as you claim, do you think that was the wrong approach? Because he's the richest man in the world.
3: Nope. I definitely don't think it's the wrong approach. I definitely think that his life identity was built around that. And I'm not saying that you can't be successful about it. But, you know, it looks to me like now he's old and he's been divorced and maybe he's actually started to live his life now that he's finally built Amazon to whatever it is. It sounds to me like he's
0: finally actually starting to live his life.
1: Alex, you got a question? Jeff, I want to talk about
0: personal brand a little more there because I think it's really important. So let's go back to Mr. Brian Johnson's furniture store. So that person who runs that furniture store, you hit on something really interesting. You know, let's take some, you know, I don't want to mention any furniture names or brands, but, you know, all of those furniture store owners, they all built their own personal brand, right? They, one who does mattresses, we know him from mattresses, the other one who happens to have. This little Pinocchio image of himself, right? I'll say it's Bob's, right? We know Bob. They didn't introduce the furniture store. They introduced Bob. Those are their personal brands, right? So personal brands are important. But if we have people in our audience that want to build their personal brand, what are like three top things they can do to build a personal brand?
3: First and foremost, since we are talking about Jeff Bezos, let's go ahead and use Jeff Bezos' definition of what your personal brand is. Jeff Bezos says that your brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room. (laughs) All right. So you're either building or you're destroying your brand. Everything you do is either helping or hurting your brand. So the first thing to do is just to make sure that what you're putting out there is actually something that you want people to remember you by. And here's a great example. A personal brand can really help you or it can really hurt you. And sometimes it can do both. You want a great example of that? My Pillow guy. (laughs) <laughs> right we got the my pillow right. guy who everyone has seen his commercials i guarantee you're gonna like my pillow it's made right here in america right here in connecticut and our guys are doing it every day we're hand stuffing it and we're shipping it to you right like everyone's right. seen this guy right and it did well for his brand and then you also have my pillow guy who went on the campaign trail with trump and half of the world now hates him and by the way, the other half that loves them probably buys pillows because they don't like the pillow. So you have to just remember that, you know, when you solidify your brand, you have to make sure that it's really targeted and approachable. And the people that you want to actually connect with and grow with, you have to make sure that you're very intentional with your message and what you're putting out there. Like for me, I have my Savage Marketer brand. There's another brand. Savage Marketer is my podcast. I'm wearing my Savage Marketer swag right now. You can see me probably better that you don't see me because I'm ugly.
1: <laughs> I thought maybe <laughs> you were a, in your bathrobe and pajamas, but go ahead.
3: Well, I truly am a face. That's, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> Some
1: swag. So good.
3: I'm in my underwear. They do call me oh. the underwear entrepreneur. So <laughs> <laughs> that's the truth. I am the underwear entrepreneur. You can Google it, <laughs> but it's, in all reality, here's, here's another thing I want to share with you. Like when it comes to building the brand and, and putting yourself out there, like the opportunities come to you when you're very intentional with your brand. Like I've had all sorts of weird sponsorship deals from like video gaming companies and things like that from videos I've made on TikTok. I've gone viral on TikTok. I've had over hundred million views on TikTok for things that are completely unrelated to any of my businesses. Video gaming. Cause I, I'm an avid video gamer. So because I've been able to separate my own personal brand from my business and multiple business avenues, it doesn't limit me. See, that's the thing about the brand. It doesn't limit me into only doing one thing. Now there are positive things about staying in your lane and doing one thing until it's successful, but you know I have to admit I feel like you know I have a team of over 100 people. I'm pretty successful, and because I have freedom in my business, because I have a team, a remote team doing everything for me, it lets me explore and do things I normally wouldn't wouldn't do. And you know, sure, some of them fail. (laughs) You know, if you're a business owner,
0: you've probably failed a few times,
3: but it doesn't limit me. I can do whatever I want.
0: I, I think that's a, a unique perspective on on personal brand. And I think it's a, actually a smart perspective that our audience can learn from. It's just as easy when you tie your personal brand to a business. If the business fails, your brand fails with it, which I think is is it happens quite a bit to a number of people. Or you get associated to a brand or a company even when you leave, and we we've seen that. I won't mention some big companies, but we've seen that with some big companies where the CEO starts the company. The company is great while the CEO is there. They sell the company. It goes public, whatever. That company gets driven down. That CEO is now associated with the company 10 years later when the company is not the same company. So I think your insight on personal brand is right on the money, even though I, I don't want that vision of the underwear entrepreneur necessarily. <laughs> but other than that, I, I, I'm good with it. And back to you, Mr. Brian Johnson.
1: Well, I was well gonna ask how, how Alex, to,
3: to respond to that, I, I think you're, here's the thing. I want you to think about this, Save by the Bell. Remember Dustin Diamond's Screech? Absolutely. Dustin yes. Diamond never had a brand. Screech had a brand. Dustin Diamond is the actor behind Screech. Save by the Bell, the rest of that guy's life, he died of cancer, sadly, by the way, just recently, like this year. He died of cancer out here in San Jose, California, but he was 44 years old when he died. And still to the day he died, he was known as Screech because he was unable to live out the brand, not him, the brand from the company, from the brand of Saved by the Bell.
1: But that happens a lot in acting. If you look at Friends or even Seinfeld or whatever, well, you're not well, going to think of those people. You're always thinking of those people in the Seinfeld world. You see George Costanza or Elaine, whatever, somewhere else. You're always
0: thinking And of none of them have done well either beyond that most for the most part. Take the other aspect of that, though, And take William Shatner, who just turned 90 years old, right? William Shatner will be Captain Kirk forever, but he's gone beyond that, living off the Captain Kirk legacy. Every interview he does, everyone asks him, what's it like being Captain Kirk? But then he said, you don't remember me from T.J. Hooker, all the books I wrote, all the songs, well, not so great, that I did and everything else I did in my life, not (laughs) to mention being a spokesperson for a a travel and, you know, an organization, a lot of different things recently. So, yeah, so you you can definitely personal, I think personal brand is a double-edged sword, no matter how you look at it. Mm -hmm. And again, who helps you build that personal brand? How does someone go about building that? How, how do they, what tools, what do they need to do it?
3: All right. Well, there's three, three main things. The first is who the heck your audience is, and you really need to be intentional with what you're putting out with your audience. So, you know, the content you put out, especially this is the day and age of, of cancel culture, you know, like, trust me when I say I've got my fair share of hate, you know, I just, I just made a quasi political post. And I guess, you know, one of the things that when you're an entrepreneur, if you're an employee, this doesn't apply to you. But if you're an entrepreneur... Like you can pretty much say whatever you want. And, you know, the only recourse is that sometimes your clients or your vendors or your contractors or whatever don't like what you say and they they decide to not work for you or they, you know, pull their contract back. But as an employee, you know, it's actually not illegal for an employer to go onto your social media and see things that you're posting. And if they don't like things that you post, they can literally fire you right? So you've got to be very careful about what you're putting out there. So A, you need to have a limit set. You need to set like, okay, here's my content pillars. Like I'm going to talk about these five things. For me, it's branding, it's marketing, it's virtual assistance, it's project management, and it's like video gaming. That's the five things that I like to talk about. And that's pretty much all that I talk about when I'm intentionally building my content out there. And here's the third thing that's going to blow your guys' mind. You have to be intentional with your relationships. Yes. It's not who you know. It's who knows you. So if you are going to be an expert in your industry, right, you want to be the person that like, oh, you need that? I know a guy. Like you guys brought up Bob's mattresses, right? Like if somebody comes to you and they're like, hey, you know what? My back's killing me. I probably need a new mattress. You're going to say, hey, I know a guy, right? Right. You want to position yourself as the person that someone knows that they refer and say, hey, look, if you're looking for a mattress, this is the guy. Bob's the guy. So how can you position yourself and align yourself with people that can help you, that can refer business to you, and you become that expert that they refer to? And that's what I think a lot of people messed up on is they don't have intentional relationships with people that they can become the guy
1: you talked about intentional and you were going to tell us exactly specifically what would you do intentionally to make your brand
3: well i call it the core okay so there's really four elements to building a strong brand the first is you've got to build a connection with people just like i said you know if you want to become the guy then you actually have to build trust with people and you do that not by educating people and telling them about how amazing you are it's about letting people Know why you are who you are, like for me, I told you guys earlier how you know my my truth be told my my mom was on food stamps, my dad worked at a car wash I've never had a millionaire in the family I'm the first one you know i I was a computer nerd i you know you guys know just from the intro that we've done in the very beginning of the show, you guys kind of see that I was just one of those computer kids who. Followed that line of command and had the spark of an idea. So people need to know why you do that. So telling stories about your childhood, how you, you know, what we call an epiphany bridge, you know, like what was that aha moment in your life where you decided, hey, you know what, this is when I decided to sell mattresses. Like seriously, for me as a mattress guy, like if I'm here at a mattress guy, like my question is, how in the heck did you decide you're going to sell mattresses? Like that would be a pretty dang good question, right? (laughs) Like the my pillow guy, he had a good story. Like he was tired. He never could have a pillow. And he put some stuff together to figure out what it, you know, and he was dedicated to getting the best night's sleep. So he came up with this pillow, right? So like, what's your story? How did you end up doing what you do? Why did you guys start the show in 2017? And by the way, start caring about people. Right. Like just from the intro you guys gave, I was able to get some really good information about your show and what Ask Brian is and, and all that stuff. And it's really, you know, it, it helps me understand you and I can kind of understand you. And, and here's the funny part. Building a connection with someone isn't about them understanding you. It's about making them feel like you understand them. That's the connection. Well, that's so you got em- to build the connection. Right. Isn't that empathy? Yeah. Empathy. Exactly. You so You have to build that connection with people. People do business with people they trust and they refer people they trust because they're putting their reputation on the line when you refer someone. Have you guys ever referred someone like a plumber or whoever or a mechanic that you didn't trust would do a good job? Heck no, because then afterwards, they would never take any of your recommendations again. Oh, I hired that guy you told me for the plumber. The dude didn't show up twice, right? That sucks. So you have to build a connection with people. That means building that relationship that's the C of the core. The second is omnipresence. And this doesn't mean you have to be everywhere, right? Omnipresence is a very old biblical term, meaning that you're everywhere. But what it means is, where is your followers at? You know, Where is your audience at? Where is your potential clients and customers at, right? So for example, for me, I have a column I write for entrepreneur.com. I, I write about virtual teams. Well, ironically, guess who my customers are? Most of them are entrepreneurs building their businesses that don't know or would like to figure out how to build a remote team. So I am a writer there. I also am on Facebook. I write on LinkedIn. I'm also a writer for Forbes. I'm a writer for a couple startup things in the Good Men Project. So I go where my audience is. And I also try to get people engaged. This is really important to me. Engagement is is the proof that everything's working. If you are making posts and no one's clicking on it, you have an audience problem, you have a message problem, or you have what's called a relevance problem. It's just not relevant to them. So you have to focus your time on being relevant to people. You have to really kind of cement your expertise so that people should know why they should listen to you and start working on Giving people value all the time. Always leave with value. Try to give them something good. That way, every time they see you or hear from you, they know that they're going to get something good out of that exchange.
1: Well, thank you very much. We've had a great show today. Alex, Jeff, was in KHF 1220, 98.1 FM. Appreciate all your help. And we'd like to have you back again because I don't think we have. Alex had a couple more questions. I know I did, too. And I'd like to get you back on again. So thank you very much.
0: Thank you for tuning in to the Ask Brian radio show. You can listen to us every Thursday on KTHS AM 1220 and FM 98.1 or via Facebook Live or anytime wherever you listen to your podcasts.